Hello and welcome to Cage Fighting. It's your main man Andy Gillard here. Hope everyone's keeping safe out there. Hi everyone, Matt Guy here. How are we all doing? Bone saws ready. Hello, it's you. <laughs> and we have with us a special guest. We've got Mr. Ash Dolan. Ash, how are we this evening? Hi guys. Yeah, it's great. How are you guys? All good, thank you. Uh, Obviously, you know, as a listener, you know that we have to ask you three questions, being since you're a guest on the podcast. So we'll jump straight in. Obviously, it's a Nick Cage podcast. So what is your Nick Cage film of choice? <laughs> it's certainly not Wicker Man. <laughs> um I don't know whether to go for it. It might be a cheat, but I'm going to have to go for Kick-Ass, I think. As a film itself, it's fantastic. Mm, great choice. Um, it's so he's so. I thought he was so Shatner in it. <laughs> uh, he just he was just fantastic. Just so different, really. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, obviously, I know you used to work in a cinema. Do you have any secrets on how you would prepare your snacks for the cinema? Would you like to get any deals or anything when you were going in there? Um. I wouldn't get the che- I wouldn't get the cheese on the nachos because I know where it comes from. Uh, <laughs> I- I've made the cheesy na- cheese for the nachos and never again. Um, when Was um, it a sex theatre, <laughs> <laughs> a reputable chain. Um, when yeah, when the cheese isn't fully cheese, it's only sixty percent cheese. Then you you tend to steer steer a bit clear, and it, when it comes out of the tin as well. Oh, God, that sounds grim. <laughs> Add water, too. Oh, God, definitely not. Yeah. Uh, so what is your cinema snack of choice? Um, so usually when you go sweet or salted, knowing as I've scooped the sweet or salted, if you just say sweet, the person just turns off. So I usually go with a bit of a mix and just say, can you uh, not just go sweet and salted, can you uh, go sweet, salted, sweet, salted, just to watch the heads explode? <laughs> actually say that I, I actually had um a packet of sweet and salted popcorn from Aldi the other day oh, for a lo- i haven't had that for a long time and actually it wasn't bad that was lovely i've tried the i think it was butter kissed did one and it was absolutely rank so i've never had another one of those but i, I do generally like sweet and salted stuff together like salted caramel is fantastic mm. Mm. Uh, and obviously the other question then if you could only watch one film for the rest of your life what film is it going to be see I was going to say Armageddon but mm-hmm. after your last guest <laughs> absolutely uh, putting it in the pits I don't think I can now but I think a quite able substitute I'm going to go with About Time from 2013 with Domhnall Gleeson and Rachel McAdams. It's an mm. absolutely fantastic love film. Like I, I love Donald Gleeson. I think he's a brilliant actor. And he's one of these who still goes a little bit under the radar. I think people don't quite... They might know his face, but don't necessarily know his name. Mm. Um, obviously, if you've seen Black Mirror, he's in the episode with Hayley Atwell where he plays the... The body, the, the robotic body of a mm. deceased version of himself, I suppose you'd say. But yeah, uh, a great actor, really good. 
I, one of my favourite things about that film is it's got Ben Folds on the soundtrack and Ben Folds just doesn't seem to get the recognition in this country. A lot of people don't know him and I'm such a huge fan of his work. So top call that one is. Donald Gleeson, also General Hux in the uh, newest Star Wars <clears throat> trilogy as the well. The best. The yes. best ones. <laughs> he has a major role in the best Star Wars film. Today. Yeah, the last one. <laughs> So this week we have got something a little bit different. It's because it's the 20th. Uh, we're going to do a top fives. Uh, we have Ash on because Ash is a wrestling aficionado, having been to numerous WrestleManias. Uh, so we're going to be talking about our top five films starring a wrestler. Uh, we do have a few rules because otherwise it will just end up being a top five of The Rock's films, to be perfectly honest. Uh, so the rules for this podcast, so the first one is you can only use a wrestler once. It cannot be a documentary about wrestling or a wrestler. It has to be someone primarily known for wrestling. Obviously, Mr. T was an actor who wrestled, not a wrestler who acted. Uh, they have to have a role of substance. Uh, so it can't just be like Hulk Hogan's cameo in Gremlins 2. Uh, and if the film has more than one wrestler in it, you can't, cannot use that wrestler in another one. So if you go for Ready to Rumble, starring Juventud Guerrera, you couldn't then take Trainwreck because John Cena stars in Ready to Rumble as well. Uh, the sixth rule would have been, if you have any honourable mentions, that the other rules do not apply. So we'll go around the table. Uh, so my first pick, we're going back to the 80s. It's a Jesse Ventura film. And it is one we mentioned the other week, funnily enough. It's The Running Man. Mm. I absolutely love The Running Man. It's one of the it's one of the early Arnie films I watched where I think I genuinely thought he was a good actor. Not just... Uh, <laughs> like, cause, I mean, in the Terminator films, don't get me wrong, they're good films, but he's not a good actor in them. He just plays a monotone... You know, you can just project your image upon him. He doesn't really do much. But I felt that in The Running Man, you did genuinely feel peril for his character, like he was in trouble. And there was a really good story. And because I grew up playing Nintendo and, and I've always been a bit of a gamer, that felt like I was watching a computer game on the big screen. So that that's why I've always loved The Running Man. I've always had a soft spot. And it's one of the first DVDs I ever purchased it was like one of the uh, the vanilla DVDs where there was no extras or anything. And I think it was like 25 quid. It was really expensive for it. But that was one of the first ones. It wasn't the first one, but one of the first ones. So, yeah, my choice was The Running Man. Uh, fellas, are we fans of that film? So... Yeah, I'd definitely say so, yeah. That was nearly in mine, to be fair. But mm. I just thought, well... Well, well, we'll see. But yeah, I love that film. I mean, when we were talking about, we were talking about it the other week when it was being talked about as um, being redone again. Edgar Wright, yeah, yeah. Edgar Wright's uh, directing the remake, isn't he? And like I said at the time, I don't want it to happen. Just leave it as it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I get that. Uh, so, Matt, you're up next. So I'm having a very, very early um, Dwayne Johnson entry on my list. I assume he's going to be like featuring quite heavily on all of it. And I need to kind of preface my list by saying this is heavily influenced by the wrestlers themselves in terms of me liking them as wrestlers, not as their quality in the films, I should say, at this point, <laughs> before I get inundated with hate. Um, but it would be the Rockers dancing in the other guys. Now, it's only a, like a fleeting appearance, really, but it does. it is at the start of the film. And this is 
reminds me so much of when he was kind of like the icon rock when he did like the um the concert in Sacramento Sacramento and he um he's that like really <laughs> obnoxious um full of himself arrogant rock and and that was like my favorite period of watching the rock and he's just like that in this um and when he's coupled with Samuel L Jackson as well um he just makes a fantastically arrogant character that it's a shame and they could do more with that, but I don't think the other guys really had the um, had the appeal or had the reception that there's there's an appetite for anymore. But I think anytime the Rock can play a dickhead, he does it fantastically well, like any good like any good heel really. Um, and that's why he's my number five pick because he's, it, it's just not enough of his performance in that to justify being any higher. Fair enough, Stu. What's your five? Let's take it slightly less serious and go with um, <laughs> the, the instant giggle. Um, a cult classic uh, that I did recommend for, to us to watch, which Andy kind of shut down straight away. And it's Suburban <laughs> Commando with Hulk Hogan. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's pretty much a fish out of water tale, eight really, and but set to the. Uh, the wacky goings on of the early late eighties, early nineties, with a big big star at the time in an unusual situation. With, I mean, I haven't watched it for a long time, and I watched the trailer earlier, and it's got me interested again. And I, I, I re- I'm really am feeling watching this film over the weekend now because it's it just it's just stupid. It's an inter, intergalactic. I can't remember now, but. He's from outer space and he's settling in suburban suburban America, and so skateboards and cut up trees and that kind of thing. It's just nonsense. And but I know he's obviously Hulk Hogan's a problematic character at best over the last ten years. But as I always say, take away the uh, the man from the the art, which is what this film really is. And it's if you want something stupid to watch with the wrestler in it, then watch this i i watched it probably two or three years back and it's worse than i remember <laughs> i think i think i went to the cinema to see it um yeah i'm pretty sure i went to the cinema to see it and i remember enjoying it at the time because it was 1991 and i liked wrestling but watching it with my now 30 something head on it's really really bad i watched that and i watched um the other hulk hogan quote-unquote classic mr nanny and it's um oh it's, it's fucking horrific <laughs> like, you, you can tell why he never had a career in acting to be perfectly honest <laughs> uh, ash what's your fifth one please i'm going down the uh leave your brain at the door route as well and i'm going for the expendables with yes. Stone Cold Steve Austin. Um, it's a who's who of old action film, action heroes. Um, and as Stone Cold, you, you got to love Stone Cold, haven't you? I think even non-wrestling fans love Stone Cold. And um, he kicked that much ass in Expendables. He actually gave Sly Stallone a hairline fracture during their fight scene. <laughs> so how can you say no to uh, Stone Cold? I haven't got it on my list, but I really liked Stone Cold in um, The Condemned with Vinnie Jones. Yes, yes. Like, that's a cracking film. And 
like you say, how can you not like Stone Cold? He's very charismatic. He always plays a version of Stone Cold Steve Austin. <laughs> but it works, so why would you uh, change it from that, you know? Yeah, so, the, cracking choice. I mean, over the modern era, Stone Cold was my my favourite anyway. I mean, like when we mm. went out for um, drinks with Goldie the other week, the other, well, I was going to say the other month, but it was probably about <laughs> year, yeah. two years ago, <laughs> um, <laughs> when I, I grew a goatee and had the... Uh, 316 t-shirt just walking around town with that on um, mm-hmm. i mean you didn't even try to be fair i i went with mick foley which was basically a plaid shirt over a cactus jack t-shirt which is <laughs> pretty much what i would have worn anyway but yeah so i yeah you can't argue with that i love you have to love stone cold it's the rules yeah absolutely uh, so my fourth choice then See, I've gone completely the other way, and this is something... I don't feel like I could not put this film on the list because the film is magnificent, even though I don't know a great deal about The Wrestler. So The Wrestler is actually the Zebra Kid, and he was in The Godfather. So he played Luca Brasi in The Godfather, who is such a pivotal character in that movie. Like, the whole whole thing about... um, Sleeps with the fishes and all that stuff. That's where that's from him. Like he's that character has become something of a cultural icon. And I wouldn't have even known that he was a wrestler until like doing research for this. But as soon as I saw that on the list, I thought I can't ignore The Godfather as a film because that's probably the best film starring a wrestler, even though it's not the best wrestler, maybe. But yeah, The, the Godfather, just a magnificent one-two punch. The third one, not so much, but first two, fantastic. Mm. As a side, have you read the uh, Godfather book, Andy? I have not. Um, on YouTube, I found the audiobooks, so that was the plan, was to play through those once I've caught up on a couple of podcasts I'm listening through. Yeah, you should, because I've, uh, I mean, I read the book many, many years ago, and I've not that long finished the audio book as well, and it, go- it goes into quite a deep dive on Luca Brasi. Um, mm. it's, it's really entertaining. I mean, the whole the whole book is, is you know, an expanded version of the film, um, a lot um, into, like, Luca Brasi. It's really, really interesting story as well about how brutal the man was. Like, you don't really, that doesn't really come across in the film. He comes across a bit dim-witted, um, but he's anything but in the book. Really, really interesting to read. Yeah, I, I've been reading some stuff about it because I was thinking about getting the books because I think Mario Puzo did, was it four books mm. set within the, uh, the the family? And I was reading about some of the stuff like with him um, telling the, the, the how would you call it, the, the nurse to throw his baby on the fire because mm-hmm. he doesn't want that breed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because he... he he had a relationship with an Irish woman, I believe, if I remember correctly. And, and they talk about like how, as you say, how harsh he was. So yeah, I'm, yeah, I, I am tempted to get all of the books, to be honest, and, mm. and really find out more about the whole situation. Uh, so your fourth, please, Matt. So I again <laughs> went down kind of the um, my favourite wrestler kind of thing, as opposed to actual cinematic great films. Although actually, this film is is pretty good. I've gone for Kurt Angle as Cobra in Warrior. Oh. Um, the MMA film that basically is like Nuts magazine, but for women, but actually for women when it comes to like, watching <laughs> sweaty men um, <laughs> gratuitously wrestle each other. But um, yeah, I mean, A, it's a really, really great film. 
um it's like adrenaline fueled and it's really kind of like you know it's macho it's it's testosterone but it's not done in like a it's not done in a cheesy way or it's not done in a way i don't think that's kind of i don't know how to put it it just feels like it has a bit of substance it has like some different plot mm. lines going on it's not nec- it's not like a mortal combat they just turn up for a tournament and that's it there are actual stakes on the line for some of the characters that are involved um which i think is entertaining but again this harks back to like my favorite period like Kurt Angle and he's like the wrestling machine. Hmm. Um, he's known obviously for his comedy stuff, um, which probably a lot of people would remember him for, but I really liked him when he was just a German suplexing badass, much like Taz and, and, you know, wrestlers like that. And this harks back to that. Um, and, and, and it is a great film that you can just watch when you need a bit of a bit of a boost. I mean, listen, I don't think I'll look like even the most unfittest person that that fought in that film, <laughs> but um, it's still it's still like a heart racing film that I think Kurt Angle does a really good job as being a legitimate badass in it as well. I mean, he's he won a Olympic gold medal with a broken freaking neck. Do you know what I mean? So he is a badass, <laughs> um, and it just shows that he, you know he, he he comes across as that in the film. Yeah, and obviously it's starring Tom Hardy, who is. One of those actors who I will watch in pretty much anything. I just think he's a fascinating actor. He's sort of like the new breed of the De Niro's for me. Like he's proper method. Like you know, if he needs to put on sixty pounds for a role, he's going to be getting into the donuts straight away. And I appreciate that rather than someone who will just put on a fat suit. I like that kind of actor. So a big fan he, of his work. He's been. The... Capone's been panned recently, though, hasn't it? I don't know if you've seen any of the articles recently. Um, it's not come across as very well received. I haven't seen it yet myself, um, but it's not hit some of the high notes that some of his um, his previous endeavours have received. Mm. Unfortunately, they can't all be gold. Well, no, and they I, can't. No. Like, and I would imagine I haven't got around to watching it yet, but I would imagine his performance is great, even if the film isn't, because mm-hmm. he's that kind of actor that he does give himself to the role. Yeah, yeah, yeah true. Mm. But yeah, that one's on my Netflix list. I just haven't got around to it yet. Yeah, he did. So, um, he did a series for the BBC that was not very good at all, but he was the best thing about it. I'm trying to taboo. Find... Yeah, taboo. That's the one. That's proper divisive. I didn't see it, but some people loved it and some people absolutely hated it. Yes, 16 episodes, 2017. Um, I I, I had to go through his IMDb to even look at what the name of it was. Um, But he wasn't... Let's say he was a star. He he wasn't even in every every episode, but he was superb in that. And it was... I think it kind of... It was... Wrong, wrong thing, wrong time, kind of thing. I think if you had to put it out in lockdown when there was nothing else on, I think you would have got a proper audience then. Where it was like the height of the streaming world, streaming war starting off, and it just kind of got lost on BBC One. But I mean, it, it, it there was promise for a second season, it never happened, so we'll probably never get any more of it. But yeah, he was he was the best thing about that, absolutely. Have mm. uh, any of you seen? Um... Oh, the one set in the Black Country. Peaky Blinders. Peaky Grim- Blinders. <laughs> so the Grimleys. <laughs> the Grimleys, fucking <laughs> Now, he, he's in Peaky Blinders for a season, isn't he? Yeah, he's fantastic in it as well. Really, really entertaining. Mm. Not just a season, he's a recurring character later on. He comes back. Oh, okay. Right. 
I, I saw the very first episode, really liked it, and then for whatever reason just kept missing it and never got around to catching up on it. So this is a crime. Isn't I know. That... I know. I mean, the... Matrix 2 and 3 is a crime in itself, but <laughs> until it's watched, still going about it. But Peaky, Peaky Blinders, you've got nothing else to do. Watch that. It's on, it's you, know all the, play. you know the worst thing is, though, Stu? Like, I was checking out my uh, film list yesterday, and the film I watched last night was my 49th film of the year. <laughs> so I've got no excuse for not catching up on some of the good stuff when I'm watching shit like Cypher at home. Yeah, it's so, a, yeah. And it's March. <laughs> it's, yeah. <laughs> it's early March as well. <laughs> uh, so can I get... Uh, where am I? Oh, it's yours, Stu. What's your number four, please? I mentioned him earlier, Bowen saw himself, Randy Savage in Spider-Man. And I know it's it's kind of bending the rules a bit because he's not really in it, but he's a pivotal moment in, in Spider-Man where, well, the, the original Rami Spider-Man, just for clarity. The, a lot of people don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, when he's the Spider-Man entering the ring for the first time to test his, test his powers out, and it's Randy Savage... Looking very roided up, we have to be honest. Um, and wasn't he? Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it, he was one of them where he was one of my... I mean, the aforementioned party, Goldie dressed up as Randy Savage. Um, to much hilarity until his hat was stolen. But yeah, it was he was one of my heroes of the 90s, just for the whole ludicrousy of it all. So seeing him again in that, not knowing that he was going to be in it, was a kind of... Uh, eureka moment oh and it, it, yeah he was only in it for four minutes or whatever but if he wasn't in that ring then peter parker wouldn't have descended into his, his transformation into spider-man so it's essential I, I think that's a fair argument to be honest it is like you say it's pivotal in the film it helps spidey figure out who he is i, I would agree as well like i was a big savage fan as a kid I never really liked Hulk Hogan because he was just quite boring in the ring. Whereas with Savage, you always felt that he was actually in peril. As a baby face, like you genuinely thought when when Jake Roberts got his snake to bite him on the arm. That's one of the like the most I, I don't know, that's just that image is burned into my retinas. Like it's a proper great moment in wrestling history and yeah, I, I did I love Randy Randy Savage back way back when. So your fourth, please, Ash. I'm probably going with the newest film, I reckon, on this list. I'm going with Hobbs and Shaw with The Rock. It can also be doubled up with Roman Reigns as well. Yes. Um, again, I, it says a bit more about me, but I'm going for another Believe Your Brain at the Door <laughs> film in, in the Fast and Furious franchise. Best way but, to be. <laughs> but having the Stafe and having the Rock together, apart from maybe uh, Kevin Hart, he's probably his best uh, duo on screen. It's just leave. It's just fantastic, um, mindless action, isn't it? And with the Rock and his charisma, you just can't say no to it. Um, going to Samoa, having the big fight scene at the end with the Madcap, um, hooking about five cars. To stop a helicopter <laughs> getting away. It just, oh, it's fantastic stuff. My favourite bit about that, though, is that they go from Russia straight to Samoa. And it seems to take them like 20 minutes, even <laughs> though it's the other side of the world. 
<laughs> yeah, it's proper leave your brain at the door kind of stuff. I I did love it, but it is batshit insane. So that's the bit where you leave your brain at the door, the fact that they go from Russia to Samoa so quickly with everything else that happens. <laughs> you just have to accept everything. In a world where a, a plane can pick up a car from like stationary, you have to be able to believe that you can traverse the world within 25 minutes. It's just the way it is, I'm afraid. <laughs> you don't make the rules. Yeah, That's you're, it. You're missing out, Matt. You really are. Uh, am I? <laughs> yes. Of course <laughs> Massively. Just watch it from number five when The Rock comes in. They're fantastic films. Are yeah, they? you can pick it up from there as well. That's how bad they are. You don't need to have seen the first half of the film. <laughs> is, is that true? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, I might do that in that case. Yeah. So the third one on my list is one we're going to skip over. It is Guardians of the Galaxy for Big Dave Batista. Uh, so your number three, please, Matt. My number three uh, is simply Thunderlips in the flesh, baby. Uh, basically, <laughs> um, Hulk Hogan in Rocky Three um, as Thunderlips. Um, again, the best version of Hulk Hogan will always be NWO Hogan for me and the arrogant superstar that he was. Um, and he just plays this larger-than-life character in, in Rocky Three, where um, he's just he's just such a dick. And he's brilliant. He did, in, in, in such a short space of time, maybe it was a precursor to things that we now know uh, about uh, Hulk Hogan himself. Um, I don't think he listens to the podcast, so I don't think we'll get sued. But, um, yeah... I think him and Sly Stallone's interactions on there really, um, it was just, it was just really well done. If I'm not mistaken, I think this would have been how Mr. T got into the kind of WrestleMania thing on the back of this, I believe as well. I think it was his interaction with Hulk Hogan, I think led to, um, the WrestleMania. I think I might be wrong. Um, I just think that Hulk Hogan, Actually, well, actually, probably, Andy, you know a bit more about this. Like, Hulk Hogan in Japan has always been, like, a monster. Like, not the babyface heel that he is when he's in been in WWE. Um, I think that he was playing this, like, this dick, huge beast of a man in Thunderlips. And it's just iconic, like, the lines that he comes out with and how he's almost, like, a Ric Flair-ish character that he wanted to be. Like, this sex icon that actually in WWE he never was. Um, I just think it's an I think it's just an excellent short portrayal of um, of a wrestler that actually I wish he'd done that more. I wish he'd been this larger than life, like fabulous Hulk Hogan or Nature Boy Hulk Hogan or something like that. Yeah, because we we never really got that side of Hulk Hogan in WWF as it was when he mm. was there. He was always that take your vitamins, say your prayers kind of bollocks for want mm. of a better word. Um, so it was quite good to see that he did have something else in his locker, even if it took until like the year 1998, was it, NWO? Mm. 97, so, yeah. wasn't it? Or something or 97, like that. was it? Round about that, yeah. So yeah, I mean, it took a, a few years to, to get to that point, but it was good to see something else. And yeah, like the, what you say about his run in Japan, that was very much what he was. He was actually like quite athletic when mm-hmm. he did his... Uh, Japanese matches rather than it was it wasn't just a leg drop he was doing drop kicks and everything he would have been something of a high flyer I suppose <laughs> for what he became 
that's a good choice. And I know we mentioned it on a pod the, a few weeks ago. Uh, I think we all said which our favourite Rocky films were. Ash, which is your favourite Rocky? In which, in what way do you mean? Because this Well, <laughs> I mean, I think Rocky 1 is probably the best Rocky. I think it's well written. I mean, it won an Oscar for a reason. Mm. Um, but Rocky 3 is my favourite. It's the one I have the most fun watching personally. See, I was quite lucky when in between the lockdowns, my local cinema played all the Rockies. Oh. So <laughs> I got to go. I got to go and watch all six. Um, and as much as I want to say one, it's got to be four. Four is okay. the great. Four is the greatest musical ever known. <laughs> and, I, and I include Hamilton in that. I'm sorry, but <laughs> you can't. Um, Hearts on Fire is one of the greatest movie soundtrack songs ever. It really is. We're yeah. going to have to do a top five at some point of the greatest songs in uh, movie history. <laughs> yeah, I think that's going to have to be a future one. Uh, have any of you seen the uh, Creed films? Yeah, I saw, yes. uh, I saw Creed 2 on a plane to, I think it was New York, I think. That was a mm. tremendous film, um, mm. Creed 2, I thought. I thought it was really, really good. And harking back to Rocky Four quite a bit to give you that nostalgia kick that you need as well sometimes. Because mm. that's uh, it's Michael B. Jordan, isn't it? If I remember correctly, mm-hmm. plays. Yeah. So I, I haven't got read to those yet, but um, they are on the list. Uh, just the same as everything else is, to be honest. <laughs> Creed <laughs> One is quite interesting with um, having Tony Bellew as the fighter, as the main bad. And they actually have the fight at Goodison Park, which is where Stallone became an Everton fan. Now he's oh, okay. the big Everton fan, that's why. Because they had the fight at Goodison Park, I imagine because of Bellew, because he wanted it to be at Goodison Park. I did not know that. Mm. Good bit of footy trivia there. <laughs> uh, Stu, your number three, please. Well, my number three. It was a dormant film from the 90s, then brought back to genius levels. And it's Dwayne Johnson's portrayal in Jumanji. Superb. Just fun. Just pure fun. One of the, It had no right, that and the sequel, have no right being anywhere near as good as they are, actually are. In mm. It's so layered as well. In You could watch it absolutely pissed up. You could watch it the first thing in the morning. You could watch it properly um, with with family if you really. Could you? Yeah, you probably could watch it with family. Um, it's they're just really good, fun films, both of them. But the first one in particular because it was such a shock. And mm. I, we mentioned his chemistry with other people um, earlier when we were talking talking about Hobbs and Shaw, and he's just great, isn't he? He's just superb, and there's. It's kind of like you can't really say much more about it because it's just great. Yeah, I mean, they, they properly managed to uh, capture lightning in a bottle with that film. Like, it, as you said, it had no right whatsoever to be anywhere near as good as it was. I remember seeing the trailer and I thought, I, I don't want to see this film, even though The Rock's in it, because it's going to be awful. And I think I was dragged to see it on a, it might have been a New Year's Eve when it was released. And I absolutely adored it. I thought it was fantastic. And then when the sequel to that came out, I thought, well, well, this is obviously going to be shit then, isn't it? This Mm-mm. is going to be the, the one film too far. And 
hell no, like it was still superb. And seeing The Rock playing Danny DeVito was just <laughs> fucking incredible. Absolutely amazing. I properly enjoyed both of those films. I believe they're doing a third one, which is risky, but at the same time, like that they've earned the chance to try and make a perfect trilogy, I think. Mm. Yeah, they've got to get they've got to, if they're they're trying to fail, then fine, but they've got to have they've got to give it a go, just because of how good they are. Yeah, undoubtedly. Uh, Ash, your third, please. This one, I I had a real argument over, and it was either going to be Guardians of the Galaxy, or which lost out to Infinity War. And I'm going with Dave Bautista for this one. And it was because I didn't know whether it was going to be a cameo or not. And doing the research, I saw a tweet from James Gunn where he said... Originally, they were only supposed to cameo Infinity War, but by the time that they were getting round to writing Guardians Two, they'd become so much more that they had to get a bigger place. So I had to put Guardian. I had to put Infinity War in because I think Infinity War is probably the, one of the best event is the best Avengers film. I think it's better than Endgame. I think apart from the end of Endgame, I think Infinity War is a fantastic film. It's the best one of the four. Hmm. I I think I agree with that because it's the um, Empire Strikes Back of the Avengers franchise, isn't it? I suppose it's mm. the one with the downbeat ending. It's the one that it, it it leaves you wanting more. Yeah. Whereas the others don't. And like Endgame's good, but it is it's far too long. Like it's at least an hour longer than it needed to be. Mm. Not long enough. <laughs> but yeah, I'd agree with that. I'd say that's probably the best. Yeah, uh, it's definitely the best of the Avengers, maybe not the best of all of the um, the Marvel films. I think Dave know. has the best part in the entire film as well, when they're in, on the uh, ship and uh, Gamora is telling Star-Lord that if uh, um, Thanos gets her, he knows what to do, and then you just cut back and there's... Drax eating his food, and he's mastered, he's mastered invisibility. <laughs> oh, can't see me. You can't see me. Fantastic. I, I'm a big fan of Dave Bautista, to be fair. He seems like such a cool dude as well. Well, Andy, I don't know if I said this story before. I've told you the story about when I met him, didn't I? And he was a I think dick. you have. Yeah, yeah. You've met Bautista. Yeah. Well, there's nothing to shout about, mate. I let I skived from school to meet him at Woolworths in Wolverhampton <laughs> when he was on like a WrestleMania revenge tour or something like that. And uh, I waited for like hours. I met him. I shook his hand. His hand, like his finger engulfed my whole hand. And uh, he, I barely got a grunt out of the guy. He didn't look at me. He didn't sign anything. And I was ushered along by the rep. And I was really annoyed. And so there's a picture of me in the paper in the Express and Star looking dead moody. Like, you know how, like, you get in, like, the Daily the, the daily Mail when they'll, they'll go to somebody's house that's had, like, an unexpected bill and they'll hold it up and they'll look really miserable. <laughs> <laughs> I, look like, I look like that. Um, and with a load of other people going, like, WWE star makes kids cry or <laughs> something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was right. Miserable he was. 
I've got to be honest, Matt, we've been to quite a few wrestling shows together. I don't think I would want to be meeting the great unwashed wrestling fans. I think I'd be quite miserable if I was Big Dave myself. <laughs> no, I suppose. But I mean, this is this is in this is in Woolworths. This was prime real estate at the time. <laughs> you know what I mean? He could have grabbed himself a pickabix and got like uh, got his sausage, beans, and chips for like two quid in the canteen. Cheer up, mate! Was the, the delights um, of Wolverhampton? Was the little train not running? Maybe that's why he was angry. Well, well, I suppose <laughs> now I think back, maybe the justification was there. Who's the best Terrible. person you've met? Um, ooh. Ah, Rowdy Roddy Piper was pretty cool. He was really, really, and he was like, he spent like a while as well. I met him at like a meet and greet. Um, and he spent a lot of time with each person and then did a lot of time in like the, like the Q and A's and he was just a real like people person. Really, really nice guy he was as well. Fantastic. Mm. I think mine, like, Trent, I've managed to meet a couple of times, and he's always like quite chatty, but he's always so popular, especially because he's from Wolverhampton. Like everyone wants his time, so you don't get a lot of time with him. But Mick Foley, like he was quite happy to stand and chat with me and sign my book and everything, and that was quite cool. So I personally would say Mick. Obviously, you've met quite a few Ash. So who's your favourite? <laughs> I've met Trent, I met Trent in an airport once. Trent and Tyler Bate at the same mm. time. We just ended up talking about wolves, so that was quite quite enjoyable. Um, I'm trying to think now. To be honest, one of the best ones, and it was rushed for time, but he did take the time for you. It, it was Stone Cold st- meeting Stone oh, Cold Steve mm. Austin. But I'd taken my uh, taken the uh, supporting uh, Carl Ikeemi shirt with me, the hashtag Team Keem shirt. And obviously, he well, I think he thought that my mate was dying of uh, leukemia, so he was proper, <laughs> proper thinking about it. So I had to go, I had to blag it and go, yeah, yeah, he's my mate. Um, but yeah, he, he was proper into it then. And I near enough, nearly got him to bloody do a voiceover, but got pushed along too much. But no, Stone Cold was fantastic. He nearly broke my hand just shaking his hand. Absolute <laughs> guns on him. <laughs> Stu, have you ever met any wrestlers? I know you're not quite as big into your wrestling as we are, but have you met any in your time? No. <laughs> Simple as <laughs> I've never been in them. I've never been in that situation, to be honest. And when you said about Trent when he was at Molyneux and no one knew who he was apart from you at the time in the group. <laughs> yeah. And um, no, it's. I mean, obviously, there's, there's a certain tier of wrestler who I'd know who they are, but obviously, I've dipped in and out of it for the last. Two years, and I had that that stretch eighteen months ago when I watched everything for so long. But no, it's not not my world that I inhabit. I mean, if if Fight Club Pro ever opens back up and we're allowed to go, you will have to come along. Oh yeah, it, it's it's a cracking night, and it's the atmosphere as much as the in ring action is worth it. But whether or not it opens again is another story. I oh, know that's my um, God. Oh, I can't remember the name of the uh, the Japanese wrestler who I accosted at the bar at the Gifford. Oh, um, Shio or she? Oh, I can't remember what the guy's name is now. Um, there's a picture of us somewhere on the internet. Basically, Ishiri somebody. Yeah, that's it. That's it. It was like one of those um, the universal language of "Can I buy you a beer?" 
was like, <laughs> and, then, and then like I think his partner or his missus, she she spoke a bit of English, and and she was like, I'm not doing any pressure. I don't want to like cultural appropriation, but she's basically <laughs> like, she's basically like. WKD, WKD. So he just <laughs> got the WKDs in. Then he looked at me literally as if I'd bought him like all of his drinks all night, as if like no one ever like like is like the. <laughs> then we had a photo. We had a very brief chat. He was a yeah, proper sound guy. He was. Mm. And we got to meet Eddie Kingston as well after uh, Fight Club Pro Show, didn't we? That was quite cool. Well, he he got to meet me more. Like I just got kind of rushed up to him, <laughs> and I was like, "Are you Eddie Kingston?" And he was like, yeah. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, it was a proper fangirl moment, that was. Yeah. And I spoke to the Schadenfreude lads, which was like, yeah, it was just a moment in history. It's brilliant. Anyway, we'll move back to uh, films. <laughs> my third third film, second film, starring Jerry the King Lawler, is Man in the Moon. I absolutely adore this movie. I was a big fan of Jim Carrey, and then it got to the point with his work where it just became very samey. Like I, I don't know, I loved Ace Ventura at the time, but then everything became a version of Ace Ventura. And then he tried his hand at something a little bit different. This is where he played the legendary comic Andy Kaufman, uh, and part of Andy Kaufman's story was he had a feud with Jerry the King Lawler. Kaufman decreed himself as the intergender wrestling champion and would beat up women in the ring. And Jerry Lawler finally stood up for himself, for, sorry, stood up for the women uh, of Memphis because he ran a show in Memphis and they actually had this feud and they went on a TV show together, which is documented in the Man in the Moon uh, movie. I can't remember, but it's sort of like one of those David Letterman type shows and they start out just being jovial and then they get into a scrap and it's all done completely in kayfabe, like they hate each other. But they was just playing a rib on everybody mm. and apparently the whole of the world just went absolutely apeshit over it. Uh, so that's mine. Uh, Man in the Moon is a really good movie that I think gets overlooked in Jim Carrey's catalogue, but it's, it's one I always recommend to people. I think it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. So your second, please, Matt. So this is really getting into the the crunch territory now. Um, And as previously mentioned, one of my favourites in and out of the ring in Rowdy Roddy Piper in John Carpenter's They Live. Um, Fantastic film that actually means probably more now in 2021 than it ever ever did. So not overly... um, not overly well received at the time, but he's kind of got a cult following. And if you've never seen it, it's kind of a sci-fi horror film where um, Rowdy Roddy Piper's character basically uncovers a conspiracy that the ruling class are aliens and basically manipulate people through the media. Um, And if there's ever a time for that at the moment, if you've watched The Social Dilemma any times, you know, in the last during lockdown you'll understand how these kind of things all link together um it goes on about how like we consume and we breed and we conform um and you you know when you see things like um like obey i think that's even a brand i'm not really into fashion as you can probably tell um though that that's like directly linked with they live um and you've got it has a cultural impact as well the film in the in the it crowd for example the line when moss says um 
I've come here to drink milk and kick ass and I've, and I've just finished my milk. Well, that's directly from they live, except it's, it's I've come here to chew bubblegum. Rowdy Roddy Piper was made for more than wrestling, to be fair. Um, he was extremely gifted on the microphone and what he lacked in wrestling skill, he made up for for being able to provoke and push people's buttons and push the envelope more than kind of anybody else. Now, he'd never even make air because of like, you know, when he fought Mr. T, he he, he wore loads of uh, jewellery and said, I, I, I'm wearing more chains than your ancestors. And he painted himself half black and stuff like that. But at the time, it was pushing the envelope in terms of angering people. And that transcended into this film. Like he's, he's just this larger of life character that exudes confidence and, and exudes charisma. And I think it was just really, really nicely done. Um, I do have a signed copy of this poster by the man himself as well um, in my garage, which is only like a, an A5. Um, but it's, um, yeah, I was really, really devastated when um, Roddy Piper died. It was, um, it was a really uh, difficult one because he was one of those that like, if I was ever going to get into wrestling, I'd want to be like him as a talker and piss people off for a living. Mm. And that's what I would want to be. Yeah. And like you said, that that line, I knew that line of I came to chew bubblegum and kick ass and I'm all out of bubblegum. I knew that line before I knew the film. Mm-hmm. Like it had such a wide reaching thing. And it, yeah, and he's one of these guys. I've seen him in a few things. Like he was in It's Always Sunny. And like the dude had comedy chops. Yeah, like yeah, he yeah. could crack a joke. He, Yeah, definitely more than just a wrestler. But I watched some of, I think it was WrestleMania 8 a couple of weeks back, which was him versus Bret Hart for the Intercontinental Championship. And even though he wasn't a a particularly gifted technical or a high flyer, he was just, he knew how to tell stories in the ring. And I think he was absolutely superb for it. That's one of my all-time favourite matches, that is, even though it's between someone not particularly known for wrestling and Bret Hart, who was on his way to superstardom. But yeah, fantastic choice, that one. Uh, so your number two, please, Stu. I think we have to pass on this one as well, don't we? And it is uh, Jesse Ventura in Predator. Uh, Ashley, your number two. I'm going for WWE Studios' finest. <laughs> See no evil. Oh, we man, featuring yes. Kane. Now, I love a good horror film, even if... (laughs) What is this? So why have you picked this? No, I'm not having having it. This is is a good horror film. If if you go back to the 80s-style horror film, this is cut and dry. A bunch of not likable kids running around being generally quite deplorable and Kane picking them off one by one. It's horror film 101. (laughs) If you put <laughs> if you put a hockey mask on him, it would just be a Friday the Thirteenth movie. I love Friday the Thirteenth, and this is basically that, except he takes people's eyeballs out. It's fantastic. <laughs> For some reason, I watched the sequel before I watched the first one. I I, I enjoyed the sequel just in a sort of this is absolutely awful, but I'm enjoying <laughs> the the nonsense that comes with it. So it is a good good call to be honest but 
like th- there's a reason that there aren't any other <laughs> WWE studio films on any of the on any of the lists yet. <laughs> they are generally absolutely god awful. In fact, I watched one last night, which is called The Main Event, and it, it's one of the worst films I've ever seen. It, it's genuinely bottom ten of all time. It was unreal. It's on Netflix. I'd say watch it, but I'd. I'd, I'd, you'd probably hate me forever if you did. <laughs> <laughs> so some honourable mentions. Um, I've got three. Uh, a film called Sisters, which is starring Tina Fey and Amy Poehler. They play uh, sisters, obviously you can tell from the title. Their parents are selling their childhood home. They decide to throw one last party. And John Cena plays the drug lord. Uh, who is supplying everyone with drugs in it. He's not in it a massive amount, but he steals every scene that he's in. He's fantastic. Mad Max Fury Road, starring Nathan Jones. We've mentioned Mad Max Fury Road a few times on this podcast. It's a fucking incredible watch. And the other one, it's a personal favourite. It is starring Captain Lou Albano, and it is the Super Mario Brothers Super Show back from the <laughs> 80s. I loved that series. So that's my other one. Matt, um, what are your honourable mentions, please? So, um, very topical at the moment um, for his now appearance in All Elite Wrestling, but we've got Big Show or Paul uh, White in The Waterboys, Captain Insano. Um, that was a nice cameo appearance. Um, now, when, when I sent you the list ahead of time, Andy, we mentioned about the fact that I hadn't had um, the wrestler in my list um, because... This list is about wrestlers, the wrestlers that appeared in the films, not not the best films that have wrestlers in. It would be a very different list otherwise for me. Um, and I've talked about how I love the wrestler before anyway. Um, but Ernest the Cat Miller, uh, uh, you know, Ron Killings is in it. And some very early, I think, um, well, Cesaro or, or Claudio is in it um, as well, amongst others. Um, so basically the wrestler in any capacity uh, as a film. Um, and Jake the Snake slash Mick Foley in the excellent Peanut Butter, Peanut Butter Falcon. Um, it was just, I don't think their characters just had enough time to shine in that film for them to make my list completely. Um, but they were really, really good. Jake the Snake, especially playing like the pissed off grizzly veteran that was, you know, unhappy that he never made it anywhere in a backyard slum in the middle of the deep south. I think he did that really well in Peanut Butter Falcon. Yeah. Yeah. I've always been a big fan of Jake the Snake. I mean, he's. He's one of the most believable characters or believable performers who ever wrestled for me. Like mm-hmm. his promos are just incredible. It was the very much the the approach of you don't need to say it loud, but if you if what you're saying means something, people will listen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I think he yeah. I think in, in another life he could quite easily have been a big name bastard actor, like a horrible villain in films. Yeah, yeah. I think in a in a different life, yeah. Stu, uh, your honourable mentions, please. You know that that film. I'm I'm convinced that they are listening to us because that film got recommended to me again on on Netflix the other day, <laughs> and uh, I'm almost at the stage now where I just don't want to watch it just just to piss them off. It's <laughs> um, it's already been pretty much mentioned all by Ash. I mean, Hobbs and Shaw, Expendables, Fast Five Plus. They're all all there on the list. Um, <laughs> but the the one that hasn't for whatever reason, I mean, Daddy's Home Two, John Cena. Just class. Watch it, Andrew. Watch it. <laughs> Absolutely not. It's never going to happen. <laughs> when John Cena comes home as your stepdad, <laughs> and 
the premise in itself it's just perfect it neither of them films should work but they just do and that with all the other stuff that's been mentioned on this podcast today i think that's got that's probably got more relevance and more street cred than anything a lot of stuff on here so just next christmas do back to back daddy's home daddy's home too watch them both yeah we'll see we'll see yeah. Uh, Ash, what's your uh, honourable mentions? I can't believe it's not been mentioned yet, but the glorious ladies of wrestling, Netflix's finest, three series of quite brilliant TV. I can't believe it never got it got cancelled before the finale of season four. It's got cameos from Brodus Clay, Kalito, John Morrison, Chavo Guerrero, Alex Riley. If you want to go down that route, but Alison Brie is fantastic in it. Mark Merrin. Um, it's just, it's, it's a brilliant TV show taken from us too soon. Yeah, I, I've gutted really. There's only two shows that have been cancelled because of the pandemic, which have genuinely pissed me off. One is a show called um, I'm Sorry, which was brilliant. They started filming the fourth season and then because COVID hit, they cancelled it six months later. And we also lost Glow. And I genuinely have no idea why, because there is an appetite for it and fans genuinely seem to love it. Have you seen that one, Stu? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't remember if you'd watched Glow. I think yeah. you have, haven't you, Matt, yeah, as well? It. Yeah, yeah, I've watched it. Mm. Yeah. But there, was, there was an article about this, about Netflix's business practice and stuff, and where they don't release figures to the, to the public, but they know what people watch. And even though it's a, if it's just a, a dedicated, small audience... It doesn't matter. For some reason, it's not getting eyes on the product, even though it kind of is. So unless it gets mega numbers, then after season two, it's gone, which is just madness, really. And it's kind of like the um, there's a lot of things on there, like the AO, is it, that I was kind of, it's been on my list, and then it's just cancelled before the end, and I thought, well, I'm not going to watch that now. Just if you're going to, something like that that doesn't rely on adverts, why don't you just say, well, we'll give you this amount of series, do that, and then that's it. Mm, that would make more sense. Yeah, don't cancel it halfway through, or three out of four. Nah, just bollocks. Mm. But I'm pretty sure, if I remember correctly, they gave Glow a fourth season originally and then pulled it a few months later because of the pandemic, which is a really shitty thing to do. Mm. But, yeah. Sorry, Ash, anyway, your other honourable mentions. See, I went down a different route with mine. I went down the musical route. Now, <laughs> you'd have to go <clears throat> to possibly Flares or a Pop World, but you'd always hear... Stu, <laughs> sit up. You'd always hear <laughs> the five Megamix. I take you to everybody get up and the lyrics, Jimmy Fly Snooker and Stone Cold. Now, not many songs have wrestling, wrestling characters <laughs> in their song lyrics. I've also got 21 Savages, a Ric Flair drip from 2017. <laughs> it's got over 700 million streams on Spotify. Absolute superstar song. And then the other one that I had was one that actually featured a wrestler. It's Wyclef Jean, It Doesn't Matter, featuring oh The Rock. <laughs> Reached number three in the UK chart as well. Absolute banger. Yeah, it was a good one. 
I'm amazed that you didn't have Cisco's thong sung on your list. Oh, because that was the, the video was starring the Big Show. Oh, yeah. There, there have been a few videos over the years mm. with wrestlers actually appearing in the uh, the videos itself. There's one appalling like chick lit country pop song starring AJ Styles. <laughs> it's fucking horrendous. I can't remember what it's called off the top of my head, but. I'll have to find it out and we'll post it on the socials, but yeah. There's one as well with Timberland featuring the Hives. Called Throw It On Me, I think it is. And it's got a load of WWE Divas in it as well, obviously being, you know, doing good things, I'm sure. (laughs) (laughs) And of course, there's the greatest band in the world, Fozzy, starring Chris Jericho. (laughs) Well, COVID denier. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, he's, he's hasn't he got a new band called Quarantine with a K? Mm. <laughs> yeah. He's I a c- character. I can't believe we've got to like seven months of this and the five Megamix has never been mentioned once until now. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not by me either. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's astonishing. Chris Jericho's got a cameo in himself, hasn't he? Sharknado 3. Yes, and he was also in uh, the latest Jane Silent Bob reboot ah, movie as well because he's no friends with Kevin Smith ah yes now that, that's someone we should try and get on the podcast because Kevin Smith does love a podcast so I reckon if we can hound him so maybe does, we'll get him on to answer some questions so does Cisco actually to be fair that that would be a does nice he? idea okay there we go we've got a couple of names that we can try and harass <laughs> on Twitter <laughs> uh, so our number one all time favourite film starring a wrestler for me it was always going to be one starring the most electrifying man in sports and entertainment. It was always going to be a film with The Rock. And that film is Moana. I adore that movie. Like, I, I, I'm i not a massive Disney fan in general. Like, I, I like it, but I wouldn't say I love it. Um, but Moana is probably my all-time favourite Disney film. I, It was the first film I put on when Disney Plus came out. I needed to see what Moana looked like in 4K. And it's absolutely stunning. When you see the water in that ultra-high definition, it is beautiful. The story itself is fantastic about a girl who wants to find her way in the world and bumps into a demigod played by Dwayne The Rock Johnson. The songs in it are fantastic and fun. It's just... I could talk about it for days, to be honest. I just love it. If you haven't seen it, why? For me, it it yeah. For me, it's up there. It's that and the Little Mermaid are probably my all-time two favorite Disney films. Those are the two I would tell anyone to watch. Love them. Watch them. Yeah, but that's me. Matt, what is your number one, please? We're about to break any respect that I had now because a <laughs> the person who's who's in this film. Uh, and B, it's just not like a worldly recognised film and pr- probably will never win an award, potentially a Razzie, I don't know. But no, I've had um, John Cena in Blockers. Now, Blockers is a film that I think is really, really underrated. It's a coming-of-age film from the eyes of three girls that are about to graduate for uh, well, uni or college, I guess it is, over in the States. And um, they basically have a sex pact and the parents basically are trying to cock block them 
and John Cena plays the archetypal um, overly protective dad who's massively into his sports and his daughter's a bit of a tomboy and he wants her to kind of just follow in the sporting footsteps. But he plays this like straight-edged character that gets into these like wacky scenarios is the best way to put it. Um, but he does it really, really well. Now, John Cena is, is never going to be like everyone's flavor of the month, but he is involved in some of my favorite matches of all time in, in like because of him being the dancing partner to a more talented wrestler. So like Money in the Bank 2011 with CM Punk is one of my favorite matches of all time. And that it isn't, it isn't a great match without John Cena being there as someone to boo. Um, and I think he's, his acting chops are underrated and he's always going to be in the rock shadow because he's come back five years too late and he'll never, he'll never be, he, he'll always be an understudy to the rock in that respect. But slowly but surely he's bringing out like better performances, better performances. Daddy home too. He's fantastic in it. I, I hasten to say, and, um, and he's, he's really, really good in this. And I'm, I'm really like looking forward to seeing him in suicide squad too, as well. Um, and I think he's massively underrated. I mean, from what I understand, there are elements of him being a pretty shitty human being behind the scenes in wrestling, but his work with like make a wish and everything like that as well. You know, he puts a lot of time into his charity work as well. And I think he's been, uh, he, for me, he's very much a, he's, he got WWE through some not so successful times on the back end of the Attitude Era, much like Bret Hart did after the golden era of wrestling. And he never really, he never really will be put on that Mount Rushmore when I think he probably deserves to be, if if only for his star power, not his wrestling appeal. But um, Blockers is a really good film, and if you haven't seen it, go out of your way. It's, you know, it's not going to intellectually stimulate you, but it is a it is a good laugh. Yeah, I fully expected that to just be a proper middle of the road, you know, sub um, American Pie kind mm-hmm, of film, mm-hmm. and it's not at all. It it is a lot better than I. I went in expecting. I, I properly enjoyed that. It's got heart and John and Cena substance. was a big reason. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, um, if I think if you like that kind of film, Matt, there was a film out a couple of three years back called Booksmart, mm. which is a similar premise. Um, that's available on Netflix at the minute. Oh, nice. That's about two girls who try and live their last life, their, their last week at school. And do all the things that they didn't do before because they spent all their time studying mm-hmm. and then they just try and live a little. Really good movie. I'd definitely recommend that one too if you enjoy Blockers. Nice. Stu, your number one, please. About the actor and the character have already been named and it's Dave Batista in Guardians of the Galaxy. <coughs> Again, similar theme. No clue what this was about. Didn't know really anything about Guardians of the Galaxy going into it. As a fully paid up member of the MCU fan club at the time, thinking, well, they can't do anything wrong, but this is a bit of a step too far with Bradley Cooper as a, well, rabbit from later on. <laughs> um, and then David Batista comes on with this kind of scars all over himself. And it's a, it's a comic genius. <laughs> and where did, it, where did that come from? It's, I mean, going back afterwards and finding out who he actually was, because this was before my time of getting kind of back into wrestling at all, it was just, I couldn't believe it. It was, it was just, I mean, I know they milked it a bit for the second one because it was such a hit and he's just so stupid. <laughs> and, yet, and yet it works. 
and I, I mean, I've I've been watching them all again, and I've watched them over three weeks. And the two Guardians films and Infinity War, because of they're all in it, it's superb. It's just superb. I mean, the whole cast, but him especially. I mean, they've got the, the little uh, Ash has got his Funkos there, but I've got my um, little Guardians figures beyond the uh, beyond the telly over there, and the Guardians ones were the first ones that I started with because I loved mm. it so much. Yeah, I I love um, Batista in that film. So I started, I watched wrestling like way back in the late 80s and then stopped until the late 90s for the Attitude Era and then stopped from just as Batista was becoming a thing. I, I wasn't watching then, so I didn't really know who he was. Um, Like I knew him, like I knew his face and I knew that he was a wrestler, but when I heard that he was going to be in this massive film, I was a bit like, okay. And it was a property that I didn't know anything about, so I had very low expectations. And he absolutely knocked it out of the park. He was brilliant. And then having now listened to him on a handful of podcasts where he talks about his struggles in getting into Hollywood because he wasn't The Rock, because he he was looked like he was just a meathead. People never took him seriously. And he went away and he had acting lessons and actually got taught how to act he really put his heart and soul into making something in the movie business so of everyone who's gone on to do it i genuinely feel the most pleasure in seeing him do it because i know how hard he's worked to do it and he deserves all the success he gets fantastic and then obviously he went on to do uh final score as well which is we could all relate to <laughs> yeah final score um if you yeah, you can check us out because we actually discussed this on our other podcast, The Wolves Fancast, where we discuss football films occasionally. Um, so yeah, check that out. It's it's in the back catalogue over on there. It's um, it was an interesting film. Let's <laughs> put it that way. <laughs> uh, so, what is your favourite, please, Ash? So this one, I didn't go with my favourite wrestlers. I went for my favourite film of that had a wrestler in. Because I've never seen Jesse Ventura wrestle. I was too young for it. But I had to go for Predator. I think Predator is a fantastic movie. It Another Arnie film in the list. Another Carl Weathers film in the list after Rocky Free. But he is obviously not in it for too long. He ends with a less than desirable fate. But as an action film... Predator is up there, I think. It's one of those classic 80s films that turns towards the last, like, say, half an hour into more of a sci-fi film. But that first half an hour where they're taking down the camp, the amount of explosions, oh, my God, the budget for that must have been fantastic. Just watching them blow everything to shit was brilliant. Yeah, and he's he's the pure... it's the epitome of 80s man as well. And it, walking around with a Gatling gun under his arm. And some of obviously, the uh, the famous line's a bit questionable now, but it's the 80s, so it doesn't matter. And yeah, for that for that reason, he's, I mean, that's why it was, it was the first one that went on my list. Obviously, again, way too young to know him from that. But I did see an interview with him. Um, and he was saying that he had a one inch bigger bicep than Arnie. And it was it was actually a prank that Arnie had got the um, the costume department to play on him so that he'd do an arm wrestle with him. 
and when they're compared in the diner and he beat him. <laughs> so but it's a it's a kind of you can imagine the testosterone on the set of that film. <laughs> to be fair, Ventura Ventura's actually got some good lines in it. I know that obviously you've got get to the job bar and or and uh other ones, but he of in that he's got I when he gets hit and he said they say to him, You're hit man, you're bleeding, and he goes, I ain't got time to bleed. It's like, go on, Jesse. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. You know, I don't think I've seen the first Predator all the way through. I saw the sequel first. I, I don't I think the sequel was like a premiere on Sky way back when. So I watched that and it's okay. Um and then the first one was on like ITV4 or something one night. And I'd missed the first half of the film. So I only watched the second half. It is one that I, I do need to go back and revisit. So I remember really enjoying what I saw, but I thought I'd, I still only know half the story here. So it's one that's on the list to go back and revisit. But yeah, I, um, some good choices there. I've really enjoyed chatting, wrestling and film. It's a, a rare crossover. <laughs> So obviously, please let us know what your top fives are. Or if you've just got any films at all that you really enjoy, which star a wrestler, please let us know on the Twitter. That's cage at CageFightingPod. Um, next up, we are treating ourselves to a break from Cage again. But we're going to be keeping it wrestling themed. And we're going to be watching 2020's Money Plane, starring Adam Edge Copeland, Kelsey Grammer, Thomas Jane and Denise Richards. I cannot wait for you boys to watch this film. I really can't. (laughs) The film is described as a professional thief with a $40 million debt and his family's life are on the line, must commit one final heist, rob a futuristic airborne casino filled with the world's most dangerous criminals. It is wild. (laughs) It's just, yeah, it's incredible. It's available to rent on Prime Video. It's also on Sky Store. And weirdly, it is cheaper to buy it on Sky Store than it is to rent it on Sky Store. So I don't know what that tells you about the film. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously, if you've seen the film or if you've seen any good films at all lately, why not send us a review? You can do that by dropping us an email or even a voice clip to cagefightingpod at gmail.com. And we will include you next time out. Thank you for joining us on our weird and wonderful walk through the wrestling world. We hope you've enjoyed it. Please make sure you subscribe to the podcast and that you can leave us a review. So for another week, Matt, would you like to say goodbye? Take it easy, guys. Look after yourself. Stu, would you like to say goodbye? I have famously large turds. Goodbye. Ash, thank you very much for joining us this week. We really appreciate it. Uh, Would you like to say goodbye as well? See you later, guys. And it's goodbye from me. And remember, be excellent to each other. And that's the bottom line, because Stone Cold sucks on it.